0: Welcome to the
1: Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community.
0: Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall, that's Nick, and we got Brian back. Great to see you, Brian. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com, where Brian's also a distributor. If you're over in his area, you can swing by there and grab some products from him. Or you can visit all three of us at the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. Great place to go in. And those of you that have listened and talked to me and gone, hey, I always hear you saying about it, but I haven't gone over there. Hey, you got to get over to the HyperClean Specialist Group. Brian's there. That's a big reason, right? Got to love having Brian there. Brian, we just talked about how much sunscreen you love to put on your nose and uh, you love the neon instead of the white. That's that's great info. What are you <laughs> drinking, though? That is kind of the big one, because you told me earlier, and I was like, okay, I got to make a special run. I grabbed the Simply Spiked Peach. Well, I see you. Just for you. Just for you. And when I did, you got to love the uh, the guy at the register that goes, ah, playing volleyball today?
1: <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> What's his name and drink. number? We might bring him on to HyperClean. Clean. <laughs> We're doing like, the. We're, you we're must the be Arl- a dad,
0: right? Like you must be the, a dad using that dad joke. <laughs> like that's terrible.
2: We're doing the Arnold Palmer here today, spiked a uh, uh, half and half tea. One wow. of one of one of, my, one of my customers has kind of turned me onto a little bit. So we're going yeah. we're going full hardcore over here. Maybe maybe a little volleyball later. You never know. I mean, <laughs> stuff can stuff can happen here. It's Friday. <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
1: It must be nice to work half days, huh? Must be nice. Must be nice. Yeah,
2: it's different, different
1: Vegas time. It's whole it's an East Coast thing. You understand
2: I, know. I mentioned we have salt water <laughs> out here? I mean it's a whole thing.
1: <laughs> it's a whole thing out, out by me. <laughs> hey, both those sound good. I'm I might have to try those.
2: No nooner?
0: We were hoping you'd grab a nooner and join us. I but... wish I had
1: some nooners. If I, I if I had some nooners right now, boy. <laughs> They'd be gone. Let me, let me tell you. <laughs> Today's, uh, the on day,
0: huh? Today's, Today's the day, huh? Today's the day. Life. Uh so you know I speaking of a day. I had a day the other day. It was interesting, right? You guys have been in body shops. We love body shops. They're fun. Well, one of my good friends, I've known him for a long, long time. I actually met him at a dealership. He was one of my finance customers that then went and bought a body shop. I'm hanging out in the back of this body shop. We're having a is what it is, right? We're having a Budweiser. Like that's what they drink, right?
1: You get wow, it? Wow, Steve
0: Weiser's it was uh, you know. It's like, I'll choke this down. No worries. Let's
1: have a, <laughs> let's have a were fun. Were you guys wearing an Austin 316 t-shirt while you are doing that?
2: <laughs> Drinking it out of the bottom of the can.
1: <laughs> Pretty much.
0: Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it goes in the back of body shots, you know? You ain't lying.
1: It
2: gets wild in there.
0: <laughs> so we're there, and he introduces me to this guy named Nam. I it's like, okay, love this dude. Cool little dude. Had a great conversation. He's a compressor repair man loves to buy compressors, sell them, repair them. And we start joking about, you know, is he buying the good ones or is he buying the cheaper ones so he can come around and repair? Because right. My buddy is his yeah. customer. They've been buddies since he was at the dealership. Cause this guy does a lot of dealer work, right? Like, so this is all inside the family, so to speak. You know, they have a good joke around. And the term snake oil comes about like, We start talking about dealerships. We start talking about, you know, who's at fault, who does all this. And I go, huh, where does that term snake oil actually come from? Do you guys know? I had to look it up. I knew it was like old school. Apparently, people would take oil that they would say out of a snake, put it as an advertisement on the back of the newspaper, and then people would buy it for medicinal reasons. We go, ah, now we can see, right? If they read it on the newspaper— if they read it on social, right, you can true. start to kind of see already way back in the 19th century how it funnels through. But what's snake oil today when we think of it in detailing? You, you guys, is it? Do we still have it? What What do you guys think? What are the thoughts?
2: Well, I, I think uh, snake oil today is just broken promises. I mean, it's it's not really a product at all. I mean, kind of started probably, I would say maybe, I don't know if it was a Teflon and stuff like that I, if it kind of started coming around then, but I think today it's just overpromising, it, whatever it is. I don't so, think it's a specific product per se.
0: So mentioning Teflon, that is old school, right? Uh, yeah. Teflon sealants, and actually DuPont had to sue the some companies and sue and and since sue the industry to stop having them use that word to you know because right. they they had it copyrighted and we didn't really know how much after that we go well, how much do we actually have in it? We we seem to think we were you know putting on this uh, Teflon enforced sealant onto a car the same as it was it was on you know pans on our <laughs> that we were cooking with I mean I I was definitely duped There's no doubt about that
1: Yeah I I think Brian kind of hit it on the head I think more now the consumers duped by you know somebody saying Hey I'm going to come do this to your car and then they don't do it right But if you're looking at product There's absolutely no comparison to what we've seen with ceramic coating like because what people have to realize is we took a jump right you had wax there wasn't a ton of promises with wax i mean most people just did it for the looks we didn't really talk heavy protection with wax sealants those kind of only jumped to like six months you know that's all that they really were so there wasn't like a ton of snake oil with a sealant but the truth is when you started getting into years of protection there was a lot of snake oil around PPF very early on too, because I mean, it yellowed in like five seconds. So I think we've had these little moments where things got out of control, but you look at where PPF is now. I mean, it, it works fantastically. It's, it's clear, doesn't doesn't yellow. But I think early adoption of these long-term protectants, whether it's PPF or the early adoption of ceramic, we saw a lot of promises and I had a lot of companies make me promises. You know, I remember I've told this story before. Nobody talked about water spotting, but those first coatings, you put them on and you drove them outside and it was sunny, they'd get water spotted. You're like, how the hell this thing get water spots? And it just had what, but it never got brought up. And and so I think always with these long-term protection products, there's always been some sort of snake oil in the early adoption. I think now, obviously we see people offering lifetime or 10 year. Of course, those are the easy things to go after.
0: So you guys both mentioned, which is interesting, hmm, we mostly mostly see it in uh, promising something to people but not actually coming through with it, whereas the, I think the detailer, quote-unquote, would go, uh, always talk about, listen, we had a comment on our, you know, as, as you start putting out more and more, you know, of your style, the way you teach and the way you have trained your team and the way we believe here at HyperClean. You know, people start commenting and saying, you know, oh, now you're going to tell us we can miss something on a pad and go, you know, compound the <laughs> the paint, right? Like there is a group of detailers that are always having their eye out towards uh, the manufacturer or somebody that is, you know, showing a process and they're going to say, oh, you're, you're just, this is too magical, right? It must be snake oil. You're over-promising, but- without really looking internally, as you guys said, how many detailers overpromise a ceramic coating, right? And and allow their customers to abuse the vehicle to where we've seen it, where people make posts and make comments and they're like, yeah, well, you know, they didn't clean it for X amount of time, or yeah, it's set out for so long, well, you know, fill in the blank. You just start going, whoa, who's really at fault here, right? Who? Who who did it? Was it the people that read it in the newspaper? Was it the people that read it online? Or was it the, the guy that sold it to the customer that <laughs> he's at fault, right? It just becomes an interesting thought process.
2: Yeah, I think people are so itching to make that sale. They just want to make that sale. They're going to leave out all the bad things about, I don't want to say bad things about ceramic or any of it, but there are downsides if you're spending that money you do need to take care of it. You do need to do this. You need to do this, and they kind of leave that out. And they want to. I mean, I had a customer the other day. Send me a message that I want to get a one year coating, a polish in a one year. And his final reply after agreeing to do it was, "So my understanding is, I just hose this off with water and fresh water, and I'm good to go. Like I don't got to do anything."
0: Brian, why but, do you think people started saying that? Why? Why be, was that? And
2: why I think did it get the way it's been sold? I think a lot of people sell it that way. I mean, whether you're at a car dealership, I mean, dealerships been selling that for. I mean, shoot, I remember in the late 90s, I was doing cars and customers would tell me, don't use soap on my car. I got it, you know, whatever done to it. And you can use, just use fresh water. And it it comes from other detailers that are saying, oh, you just, you know, rinse it off and you're good to go. And then they come to someone like me and then they get the truth. And then, you know, ultimately the customer didn't want to get it done. He's like, well, I'll just wash it then. But that's fine. I was like, you will have a better experience, but if that's what you want to do. We do have products like Slick. When you wash it, you put that on, nothing wrong with it. If you do that every time, you're going to have a great experience still. But it is just people, I think, trying to make a sale that make those promises because they just are itching to get that. they want that sale so bad that they kind of leave out and maybe a little snake oil that, you know, this is going to be a fix all and you don't got to do anything. So no different than like we talked about 10 year coatings and stuff like that, or whatever the case may be that, there's a lot of promising just to sell that job, and it's it backfires on you a lot because now that customer is expecting whatever you sold to him.
0: But if I read it on the label, Brian,
1: what? It,
2: well, you now know, now, we're, yeah. now you're now you're into everybody's got to take some sort of personal responsibility in life.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there's an interesting conversation here because I guarantee you, Brian and myself and a lot of people that, that, you know, detail for a long time, you actually end up underselling stuff. So let me give an example. We did some windshield film this week. We've done PPF this week. Let's talk about what I say to somebody when they pick up their car. It's a lot different than I think a guy that, that, that's an overseller. I actually tell people, yeah, man, I mean, you should get a couple years out of this film uh, on your windshield. But here's the thing. If you run your wipers dry a bunch, you're not getting two years. How many people don't bring that up? Well, I'm in the windshield protection space. I can tell you very few people bring it up. But I already know it's a problem because it gets so hot out here. If they dry wipe their windshield in the middle of summer, the top coat's going to be gone. You're going to see this big wiper mark because it's a billion degrees, right? And it just rips it right off. Uh, When I look at how I sell ceramic coating or PPF, 10-year warranty on the PPF we use. How many people do you think I tell them that it lasts 10 years? I I don't. I said, hey, man, if this sits in your garage all the time, it's going to last 10 years. But if you're out in the elements and you're enjoying your car, it's going to get beat up. It's going to take some hits. It's going to get the sun damage. You know, you can take care of it. But, you know, I would say at the year five mark, you need to assess what's going on with your PPF. And if you have any issues, you need to come to us immediately. You see an edge lifting. You've done something with a pressure washer. Like, don't let things get out of hand. I think... There's two ways of selling one to actually inform the customer and therefore protect your business. And then there's the other thing we're talking about, which is I want to get the sale. So I'm going to overpromise everything, right? Oh, you put this coating on your car, man. I mean, you're not gonna have to wash it for 60 days at a time, 75 days at a time. Well, why would I even want to put that out there when it puts me at risk as a business and and it makes their experience worse?
0: What do you think, right? Why do you think people oversell, overpromise, as Brian's saying, to get the money, to get the job? I, you know, I shared with you, I watched this YouTube uh, little moment where some guys were talking back and forth. And this one particular guy on the microphone goes, you know, I got to get my 800. I got my little girl. She needs it. She needs to get fed. So I got to get my 800 every time. Huh? Like, well, what's it going to take to get you 800 every time? What do you got to use? What are you selling? Uh, sure you can, but Nick, you and I have talked about, right? You, you look at certain people, you, you dig into really what they're doing and you go, yeah, that guy just threw out that number. He just threw out something crazy. But is that really the crux of it? Do you think like, Hey, we're in trouble here. My, my daughter needs food. Like my, my yeah. family needs some, you think it's that dire?
1: No, I, I think it's, People love to talk when they're standing in front of a customer and they think they know what the customer wants to hear. You and I talk about this all the time. We'll get on a phone call. Brian, you've had this experience. Marty, I know you've had it. We've been on same phone calls where the person on the other end of the phone is saying what you think, what they think you want to hear instead of just telling you what's going on, right? And so what guys, I oftentimes think most people don't believe in what they're saying. Right. saying it, So they start to oversell because they don't believe in it. And let me tell you where that comes from. Most detailers wouldn't pay anybody 800 bucks to do anything. So they can't sell an $800 service the proper way because they don't pay anybody $800 to do anything. They don't pay their plumber 800 bucks. They don't pay their electrician 800 bucks. I'm not paying that. I'm not paying that. So that insecurity is built out of, they wouldn't pay eight hundred bucks for the service. In my life, I go, man, if somebody could do a full body PPF on my brand new Porsche, I'd pay them a lot of money to do it really well. So when I sell somebody a full body PPF, I don't have a problem selling it to them because I have it on my cars. I have ceramic coating on my cars. I believe in the service. I think it comes from insecurity. They don't pay people to do that kind of level of work in any part of their life. And so they just start vomiting information at the customer once you get some experience and once you understand i should be doing very little talking when my customers there, asking questions informing them of what's going on underselling every product i put on a car because i want to over deliver i remember putting five-year coatings on cars and having no idea about ceramic coating because it was so new i didn't know that the stuff was going to last years at a time at, the, at that time things were only lasting six months nine months Now we're jumping to years. And I would always tell them, hey, you're kind of in this with me. I'm going to be here to support it. I'm going to try to figure this thing out with you. And then I I learned and learned and learned. But I've always undersold because I didn't want a customer pissed off at me. You know, I think a lot of people don't fear somebody getting upset with them. And I fear that because I'm like, man, if somebody's paying me all this money, I want them to feel like I delivered. And I think it, it starts with they've never paid somebody 800 bucks to do something on their car other than, like, replace something that was broken. They haven't paid somebody to, like, protect their car. They haven't paid somebody to, to redo things at their home. For you, for the guys on this call, you start paying people around your life, you don't have a problem seeing that people pay all this money to get shit done in their life. And that inexperience makes people overpromise a lot of times. They just don't believe in what they're doing.
2: Brian? Yeah, I completely agree with Nick. It's it's a confidence thing. It's a completely confidence. They don't have, don't believe in what they're selling and they don't, they feel like it's a lot of money. They wouldn't pay for it. And it's definitely, you're not, you don't believe in the product. And it's also, you're just worried about getting that money. And it's not just detailers. You see companies that do it. You see a lot of companies that are doing discounts. You know, if you got a good product, why are you discounting product constantly? Why are you doing this and that? It's, they feel people feel like they need to do something to move either a service or a product because they don't believe in the product, even though if if it's good or their service, even if it's good. And you got to come off that. And also are a lot of people like Nick said, don't worry about the customer experience as much as, I mean, Nick's gone through it. You've gone through it where you're like waking up at two o'clock in the morning and be like, Oh man, I did, did this on this one car or did this happen? And you know, is that, uh, I can't, you know, is that going to be an issue or, you know, you worry about that stuff. Not because you're worried about getting in trouble. You're just worried about the customer's experience. You want to, I mean, you provide a service and you want to provide a good service and you believe in the product, you know, it works, but you still worry about that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of people don't feel that the way they just are like, well, I got paid. I got my 800 bucks. Like you said, or I got this, I got that. I mean, with boat detailing, I mean, we're, we're probably most underpromising company there is. I mean, we're, we're 18 months to two years max on like boat ceramic coating, and people are like, "Well, the so-and-so does it five years, ten years." This, I mean, we have customers constantly. I'm like, look, this is what we stand behind. But that's it, because uh, I don't want to be married to something, and I know limitations, and I would rather oversell it. Yeah, I have customers out there. I customers three, are three, going on third and fourth season. Are like, "What do I do with this?" You told me two years, and it's still beating up doing this. Hey, just keep doing what you're doing. When you have an issue, we'll redo it. But I'm not going to all of a sudden say, ah, I got, we can do this for four years because every customer treats something differently and you need to be able to reel it in. And you got to take the averages. You got a guy that keeps stuff in the garage all the time. You got a guy that maintains it, washes it, does everything proper. You got the other guy that does nothing, does zero or washes with bad water, does this, washes with towels or, you know, whatever the case may be, you got to take the average of it and reel it back a little bit and, that's a big part of business, whether it's, you know, any part of the service or if you're selling products, you know, even when you're selling a product to somebody, you want to just be honest with them. And people do appreciate that. Most people who are coming into any of this are still pretty fresh to it. It's not, even though we kind of take for granted that we've been doing it for five, six, eight years, ceramic coating, it's still new to so many people, even customers who have a vehicle ceramic coated, still, they're still learning. And you gotta think about that. You gotta think that, you know, you can't take for granted that you know everything and think all these customers know everything. So why overpromise it? Why even say something that isn't even on their radar? Most customers have no clue that, you know, you could go into this or that or so just sell what you're selling and be confident about it and know that you can stand behind it. And I think a lot of people are just, I just wanna get that like you said. 800 bucks. I want to get that 800. And-
0: how, how does somebody keep doing it there, Brian, even though they're not confident in it? Nick said it publicly. I've talked about people that come in here and have specifically told me coatings that they know are failing, but they get it for $15 less. So no. they, they want to do it that way. I mean, I why?
2: Mean, there's... there's- there's scummy people in every industry. <laughs> I, mean, there's, I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. I mean, there, that person's never going to change. That person is not going to wake up one morning and say, you know what? I want to do what's right. I want to have a good product. I want to have, that person's not changing. They want cheap. They want to go buy the awesome orange. They want to go buy, you know, I got this for a nickel. They're the one posted on the forums that, Hey, Ollie's has this for 13 cents. You know, I bought 50 cases of it. And and then they post. Has anybody tried it? Does anybody know if it works? Well, it was a nickel, so I bought it all. I'm gonna, but trust me, that first bottle doesn't work. They ain't throwing that away. They're gonna be like, well, I'm gonna run through yep. this. I've got it now, yep. and that's just the way it's gonna be. And you have to. It, it's unfortunate. I mean, yes, sometimes people see the light, I guess you could say, and come around a little bit. But a lot of it, it's we're back to detailers really think they should be able to run their business for nothing. It's like, it's no different And take boat. the
0: 800 and not spend anything. And this is, this is a yeah. part that, you know, Nick and I, we were talking, I'd love to know your perspective. We, we both told each other, right? Like we've been in tight spots. We've been in places where we didn't really have a lot in the bank, you know, like we were in some tough spots and I, and then Nick can say a few, I never, I never screwed over a customer despite my financial status. Right? Like I never did that. And that, that I think that's the kind of part that kind of is com- very confusing. We talk about can we relate to I that's a part I can't relate to. That complete dishonesty internal of going, "Hey, I'm going to screw over this person because I need their money because I don't have any." Like I I just never got to that point, whether that was because, you know, e- you know, we, Nick, we talk about this, like, is that an upbringing? Is that who you are as a person? Is that because, you know, my first formal part of my career was in one direction where if you screwed somebody over, you were going to hell, burning an eternal fire, right? Like, like you know, now we're in, in a different world of taking somebody's money and, and doing what you say. It really doesn't seem that complicated, but Wow. It's yeah. Gone but, through.
1: but remember where you started, where Brian started, where a lot of guys aren't starting now. We started out detailing cars on a basic level. There was no real way other than burning some rims with some acid or, you know, whatever. How are you going to screw over a client because you were just doing general detailing to get your career started? It's a lot different, man, when a guy has five minutes of experience and he wants to charge a thousand bucks. Because all of us know what that thousand bucks means. That person's expecting a level of service of a thousand dollars. When we all started, we had no problem starting just deep general detailing, interior and exterior cleans. We weren't promising five years or three years of protection or any of that kind of stuff. I think there's a there's a there's a thing that goes on here is People don't realize how long three years is. They don't realize how long five years is. And because they don't realize how long five years is, they're like, oh, I got this 10-year coding. It's like, do you know how long 10 years are? I mean, do you, right. do you, do you have any grasp of what it would take to make a coding really work for 10 years? Do you? Well, no. They've been detailing for five minutes. Somebody told them something. It's just like when... Look, we had really smart people we knew who bought into a warranty company. Nobody who knew anything bought into that company. But a lot of people did. Hell, we know 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds. So it's not about being 20 years old. There's, There's people that get into this business at 35 years old, and they don't start in the basics of detailing, and they start in this heavy promise world of three years of protection, five years of protection, that's a big commitment. We all see that as a big commitment because we've been in the in a space where there was no commitment. I'm just going to clean up your car. I'm just going to get it detailed. Right. And not having that perspective, I think, is a big problem because I'm here to tell everybody something. Three years is a long time mm-hmm. to get something to work on a car, to get something to hold up on a car. You may not think it's a long time. You may be like, oh, well, there's, you know, 50 year coatings out there. Three years, what's the big deal? It is hard to get things to really work for three years. Okay. You got to prep the surface right. You got to put on the right product that actually works. Then you got to have some maintenance that makes this thing really work. It's not just set it and forget it, but everyone takes for granted. And and look, I, I had this conversation today with somebody in the vinyl wrap world. My entire career, I used vinyl wrap on cars starting in 2000 when graphics were big. I watched graphics turn sour in six months my entire life. Like, they just look like crap in six months, a year. The vinyl wrap world's like, hey, you don't need to do anything. Just spray it down with water. It's like, couldn't be worse advice. But that's what 90% of them say. And they're like, oh, don't use this type of soap or that type of soap. It's like, no, dude, the soap isn't the problem. The fact that the car never gets cleaned is the problem. Then the sun bakes on it. Then it starts to deteriorate. I think what we have is we have a, a large, inexperienced pool of people who don't realize how long three years, five years, multiple years is to get something to look great on a car. It, it, it's, it is a fair amount of time, man, and I, I think that's, that's where all this starts, and we don't see it that way that, that everyone does now because we started out and we saw six months, a month with the wax you don't have that perspective or you don't get it from somebody that's been around, you don't know how long three years is, five years is.
2: Yeah. And I, I, am still like, I feel like I'm married to that car. I mean, we've talked about it before, Nick, like my sweet spot is a two year coding. That's what I want to sell is two years. Cause that five year, you're, you're to me that I'm responsible for that car for five years. I, if that car comes back, I'm going to have to make sure everything's right. Even if the customer did something wrong, can't just be like, well, you screwed this up. I mean, to a certain extent, but I still am married to that car five years, but we sell a ton of five years. Uh, and I, I try to sell two years. I'm like, you know, two years, kind of where you want to be at. You're going to trade your car in, you know, you're 24,000 miles somewhere around there. Let's do five year. Fantastic. And that's just, it's just the way it works. I think a lot of people get tied up to, I want to sell five years. That's in their mindset. I want to sell five years. because I want that big ticket want to sell 10 year I want to sell eight year I want to sell this I, I got it whatever the biggest ticket is I can sell I that's where I want to be and I got to be doing that and it's to me it's a wrong mindset I, I would be pushing the one year and two years and you'll be amazed how customers just kind of fall into it might be the customer feel like you're you're roping them because oh well he must be making more because I gotta come back in two years and it might be a mindset thing and they're like well I'll just do the five year oh, okay that's fine But to me, I'm still married to that car. I do worry about that car out there. I do, you know, okay, well, we're going in year three. We're going to year four. You know, what's going on with it? I haven't seen it. We don't see a lot of customer cars. We don't get it a lot. Nick, Nick's very fortunate where he does get to see his customer cars a lot. I don't, even with our mobile detail, we just don't get to see the customer's cars a lot. And so for me to have a five-year coding out there that I haven't touched in three years, it's a lot on your shoulders. And I don't, I think a lot of people don't worry about it. It's not just our industry. I mean, you you see people that build houses that are complete crap. You see, you know, plumbers and heating air guys. Duck work is horrible. It's just people want to get rich quick. I mean, they all start these businesses that do think that I just want to make money quick and this can be a great way. And unfortunately, that's just what it is. I mean, that, that could even be part of the snake oil is just, you know, poor business owners. And customers do have to do their due diligence a little bit.
0: So hold on. You said something there, Brian. You go, you know, they just want to make money. Okay. Nick said public, like, this is a thing. Hey, we're in business to make money.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And, And therein lies part of the issue, right? Because there's an assumption that in order to make money and to have a business, you have to screw other people over and only be thinking about money. I've got a, you know, I've used a pest control service. I'm sure you guys do too. Not everybody does, but you know, we, I, there's a reason I need to use it. I tried to do it on my own, grab some stuff and take care of it. It didn't work. Uh, (laughs) I needed a pest control service, right? Like we can see when the pest control service isn't working because spiders start coming back. For those of you that aren't a fan of spiders, you can imagine when you start seeing them, you go, wow, okay. So I had to call them back one time and be like, hey, listen, y'all are just out here, but, you know, and, you know they'll feed me the same stuff. Blah, blah, blah. I, go, I get it. I just need to come back and respray. So why is respraying? I'm talking to the guy. And he goes, kind of lets it out. Doesn't really mean to, but kind of lets it out. Well, yeah, you know, we've been having more callbacks because, well, you know, boss told us to start watering stuff down.
1: A pest control is just like what Brian talks about where detailers don't want to pay. If you really know people in that world, there's no cost in it. Right. It's already very affordable to do. Imagine watering chemicals down that don't cost anything. You have no cost to it. You have no nothing to it. But you can take this to every single world that exists. You really can. It's like, it doesn't matter. Somebody runs a business, there are going to be people that cut corners, and there are going to be people that don't. And, and, and that is, you don't have to cut corners with ceramic coating. If you use a reputable one, you prep the surface properly, the car stays somewhat maintained, ceramic coating is going to work exactly how it should work. Now, that doesn't mean you can drop an atom bomb on the car and everything's going to go well, but that's the way some people sell it. You're not going to have to wash it. Oh, you know, you park under a tree with sap. No big deal. No, it it is a big deal. Right. But think about it. I mean, Marty brought up a business that is exactly what Brian has talked about multiple times on here. Nothing is as profitable as pest control because there's hardly any money in it. Why would you water your chemicals down? Because you're actively you know, trying not to do the right thing. That, that's why. Because well, you're actively. just we trying We see it not every day.
2: It I mean, you yeah. see people cut everything, you know, in detail. And you, I'm cutting this fifty-one, and I got this, you know, I'm stretching this out when it's already cheap. I mean, it really is. I mean, Nick's talked to about a thousand times. What do you got? Four dollars in washing a car, and I don't think people even realize that um, how how cheap it is because they all they see is I had to go buy another gallon. It might have been three weeks, but I had to buy a gallon of this, and it was thirty dollars and they don't look at the three weeks of money they made or whatever profit they made out of that. They just know, boy, I just got stuck right here with $30 gallon, or thirty on this gallon.
1: Well, Brian, Brian has to be in the same boat. Marty, you were in the same boat when you were full-time. Of the line items my accountant goes over with me, chemicals isn't even a discussion.
2: Never had once.
1: Never had once. These are financial professionals that see all kinds of businesses, and they're fascinated at how little it takes for us to detail a car. Don't even take my word for it. Three guys who use three separate accountants. I guarantee you, they go. They never went. Well, how are you spending so much on chemicals? <laughs> Ours is trips
0: and food, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's like
2: yeah, it's like lunches, yeah. guys. Come on, we got these yeah. lunches. <laughs> I, I mean,
1: it never even comes up. But you know, you get into this world and you say this stuff out loud, and I know somebody's listening to this, going, "Well, they're expensive." It's like, look, man, I'm telling you, it costs you nothing to detail a car properly. And if that cost is a worry to you, there's something else off in the whole system because you shouldn't have this concern over car wash chemicals, detailing chemicals, coating price. Even if you look at something like Sparta, if you're charging properly for Sparta, it's not even 5% of your cost usually. I mean, people would kill to have businesses like that. There's people that 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 have sixty, seventy percent wrapped up in the product they're installing or or dealing with. Detailers don't have five percent wrapped up in a quality five-year coating, and they're like, "Well, you know, I need to save twenty bucks." It's like, it, it it's it's less than a percentage point if you're doing everything properly. So I think that's the interesting part of this, is that it really doesn't cost a lot of money to do the right thing, yet we find it very hard for people to do.
0: So when have we ever found, this is something you had said, Nick, and I'll just go and say it out, right? Has there ever been a time in history that we've had an easier chance to make money, right? Like you could think of not just social media to the internet, to economy, to options, right? We all three just talked about the way detailing was years ago. You didn't have options. Now you got options more than you could ever dream of. And it's almost like, you know, we used to not know, you know, hey, what are we going to watch? And you know, we'd go find something to watch. Now, you can look through Netflix to Peacock to, you know, to HBO you use to, it, you can just start listing out $200 worth of subscriptions that we have yeah. every month. And you sit there for 45 minutes still looking at what you're actually going to watch, you know?
1: Yeah. Never. You never had more millionaires you don't have to take our word for it. Statistically, there's never been more millionaires in the world. There's never been more millionaires in America. That tells you that the economy's growing and that the economy's easier and it's easier to find ways to, to, to build a business or be a part of a business and make a lot of money. And I think everybody gets this doom and gloom. Like it's never been this difficult, right? It's never been this hard. Well, no, man, every generation has it easier. That's the whole, you know, civilization growing thing. I mean, I think life was pretty hard when people only lived to like 25. Things were pretty tough. Now you're on your phone. Most guys haven't even moved out of their place at 25 now. And, you know what I mean? It's like it's never been easier. You have more avenues. You have more exposure. You have you can do internet marketing in a local area. You can target your exact customer. You can do a million things. But I think you could also defeat yourself by saying, you know, you this person doesn't understand how tough it is. It's like, no, man. You don't understand how much easier it is now because you don't have the perspective of how hard things were at one point in time. And I'm not saying they're easy, like it doesn't take work, but you got to also realize that, hey, man, you're in a pretty fortunate time. Take advantage of it and have some success.
0: Brian, hold on. Before you answer that, I talked to somebody earlier today. And we were discussing how, you know, Nick has such a great life out there in Vegas, never sees the cold and gets to clean cars 365 days a year. <laughs> but you're you're in a place that you you definitely have a lot of people that go in and out and they close down in the cold. Let's for a second, hold on, let's dive over to that because what do you do? What is it so unique about you that you stay open? Because while everybody else can do you know as much as they can, some people close down but you stay open
2: we're we're not we're not terrible we're not like Minnesota or the Arctic I mean we're not getting snow all the time so we are somewhat fortunate but we do hustle I mean it's it's work we hustle during a summer or winter time to get work in and we're still doing cars still doing coatings we do. I'm fortunate enough where I have a large enough shop where I can hold cars you know if someone comes in whether it gets bad I can I can hold cars in our shop and keep stuff next door and you know so it does make a difference but you still got to hustle I mean we start advertising heavy in fall for cuz I'm looking advertising in fall for you know that December and January it, it you got to keep moving and trying to get work in we're heavy in the boats I mean right now I mean the boat stuff we got 60 degrees this week and it just It just opened up. I mean, we are flooded with calls and placing orders and jobs for boats. But you got to, it's all work. I mean, like, like Nick said, it's not, this is the best time to make money. I mean, my gosh, you can do one job and make more than I made in a week when I started. And I don't think people understand that. And like Nick said, there's more wealthy people now, even, you know, blue collar people have money. When I was, when I started washing cars, I was doing washing vacuums for $15. Washing vacuum, 15 bucks. That person paid me that $15 was well off. It wasn't like that was just like a blue collar person. If I was washing somebody's car, $15 back then they owned a a very nice business. They had plenty of money and it was hard to find those people back then. There wasn't a ton of people that had money like that. You're talking about $15. Now people are much looser with money. They go out and eat, they spend $120 a dinner, they don't mind spending $100 for this. They go get their i mean, I think my daughter got her nails done the other day, it was $90, and I had no idea it was that. It, Nick's that out was, on
0: eating out, he's done, he's selling. Yeah. I think he's selling hey, on Monday, I think he's selling eating out.
2: I'm like, and it's just wild to me, and I'm, I'm just like, it's such a good time for the service industry. Uh, I mean, I, I talked to a boat dealership the other day. Just touching base with them, how everything's, you know, where's everything at? What's everybody's, what's everybody's hourly, hourly rate at now? Our dealerships now are between 175 and $200 an hour for labor rate, for engine work. And to me, that's great. And people are paying it and that's all that does is help everything. You know, we're not, we're not in that low bottom end of the economy anymore where service is looked down upon where you just aren't going to pay for labor. It's what labor is. And people are like, well, we just detail cars. I I don't care. I pay employees the same as I pay, you know, anybody else that does service work. And I think people really need to understand that. You just need to know kind of where you stand. It's good to talk to other businesses, other industries, you know, in your area. Where are you guys at? What's everybody charging? What, What, you know, what's kind of the deal? Because if someone's paying the heat and air guy $200 an hour, he knows that's what it is. So you need to kind of adjust your kind of money you're charging to what your area is. And it is so easy to make, to do well right now. I mean, talking about ceramic coatings, you can literally do two a week just starting off. And I advise anybody who's starting off to just do like a one or two year coating. Do not even worry about, I know you have customers ask about it. I want a five, I want a three. Just say no. Just start off with the small coatings, get accustomed to it, get rolling with it. And you, no different, you can make a ton of money like we've talked about a thousand times on here, just doing washing vacuums. It just, just don't overwhelm yourself. You see all these guys like, well, I, I got this job. What do you guys think I should do with this? I mean, uh, NASA called me. They want to get the Lunar <laughs> Lander done. And, you know, what do you guys think I should charge? Like, I, I don't know, man. Maybe just see if they want a car washed and let's stick with that right now. It, just
1: gross. It, there's so much splitting. money in the beginning, man. There's so it much is. money in the beginning. They're, they're uh, guys, I know a lot of people think they're behind. You know, they look online and they think all these people are are doing all these big things. The people doing big things aren't posting in a Facebook group, you know, randomly and bragging about things. They're, they'll show some work. Hey, man, I've got to work on this cool car and, you know, it's really awesome. But if they're always in a Facebook group bragging, you can bet they're not the top of the top. So don't compare yourself to that. It's like taking a picture on a private plane. People that own private planes don't take photos on private planes. It doesn't happen. I I hate to break it to you if you haven't learned that lesson. Uh, That's the truth. And the thing is, so many people are so quick to get out of the beginning. But if you do the beginning right, by the time you get to the bigger stuff, you'll have so much money saved and ready to go. You'll just make more money. Like Brian said, I mean, Marty, you and I talk about this. I would do three packages if I started out. One, two, and three-year coding. Only one step correction, nothing else. And I'd have a wash clay and Uno. So I'd have four packages. Right? You're done. You you can build a million dollar business off that today. That wasn't possible to build a million dollar business 10, 15 years ago. It's definitely possible now. And you could ramp it up as fast as you want. I mean, we know young guys out there that are killing it, that have grown their business, and they've built these big, massive shops, and they have no debt, and they're just balling. And they started at the beginning. And now they got a PPF shop and a tent shop and a ceramic coating shop, and I think that stuff's awesome. The woe is me is the problem. You know, my area won't support this. I can't do this. Well, you never started at the, at the start, so you never got people used to using you and used to seeing you, and used to paying you to do something, how many heating and air guys start in servicing heating and air conditioners before they're redoing a whole house? Their first job wasn't redoing the whole house. They were servicing AC units, and they just had a natural progression into this bigger entity. And so what I want people to hear from us on this part of the conversation is, hey, man, you you may be broke right now, but you could literally just go out and do interior and exteriors and have $50,000 in your bank account by the end of the year. And that is not unrealistic.
0: So why do people make it harder than that, Nick? You know, you got these discussions about, you know, do I use this air tool? Do I use this? You got, Hey, there's, how do I do that? I watched a, you know, this guy that that puts products together and he's always talking about products. I, you know, I watch some of those YouTubers every once in a while, just to go see kind of what they're talking about. And just kind of, also I like to see what some of the products they're using. I I do want to see their experience. I can watch the way their towel glides across the paint and know if it's a grabby product or if it's a sleek, right? There's There's certain things that we can watch these people that are the new newspaper, right? They're the new person on the back of the newspaper. We can watch what they do to kind of see some things. And I saw one of these guys, he organizes, right? He's like, hey, I organize all this stuff together, right? Great. Well, he wipes on a five-year coating and he does this entire area and then he waits. I didn't, it was like 10 minutes or something. I mean, it was forever. To where then you can just nice and easily just glidely wipe off this product. To the three of us, we're going, hey, no way I'm going to leave a high solid product on for that long. No way. And then second, I know that when I have a high-solid product, then it is going to take a little bit to to work with. A simple product is simple to work with. A high-solid product, hey, I have a little bit more to do. So, Brian, is it his fault, right, that he's, he's saying it this way, but then we see inside of every group where people are overly a. Uh, evaluating this or that, or this air dryer, this or that, like, so who's at fault here? I mean, what do we do with that?
2: Well, I think it's just people looking for a, I want to say easy fix. They're looking for a shortcut constantly. And there's not really, there's just not a shortcut labor. I mean, there are great tools. There are great, you know, methods, but you just got to get you can just about do anything, especially with detail. And We we spoke about this before we came on. I mean, with a couple brushes and towels and a couple simple products, you can just knock it out. I'll be honest with you. When we have a full detail coming to the shop, which I absolutely hate, and you guys know that, with interior details, we're pretty much using Revive and, and Press and some towels and some brushes and, you know, might get some air out, but generally not too bad in a vacuum because that's the way I learned it. That's the way we do it. I don't have like 15 tools hanging on my wall. There's no secret to my shop. It's a big shop. I don't have a bunch of, you know, shortcut tools or this or that. I just think there's the tried and true. I mean, yeah, there are stuff that's have come along. Like, okay,
0: so let, let's dive into that. Tried and true versus the guy on the back of the newspaper that's now on social media telling people to, to do it this way.
2: Well, he won't. Well, I mean, how do, you can't okay, blame him.
0: But Well, right. We're not talking like, but it's more of the... How does somebody know who to choose advice from? I think it's something that you've kind of, uh, I, I want to say, had some questions, right? Like, you've talked to people, I've talked to people, all three of us have talked to people, and you go, well, why didn't you take my advice? But then they'll watch a the panhandler, you know, somebody that's just, basically, that's what they are. And they'll, they'll drink that Kool-Aid, they'll take the advice. But when it comes to tried and true, it, what are your thoughts? What are your opinions? Why do people struggle With taking advice.
2: I honestly think they're, they believe that you're keeping something from them. Like you don't want them to be as good as you. You are trying to just, he's not gonna, he's not giving me the straight answer because he doesn't want me to be as equal as him or get as good as him. And I mean, there has to be some sort of mindset. I mean, I'll I'll give you an example. I talked to you, we just started e-commerce site. I talked to Nick the other day about a couple of issues we had and you guys have been doing this for a long time. I literally just started. We started shipping last week. We had some first orders come in, had an issue, nothing bad. Nick gave me a piece of advice. I implemented that advice before it was five o'clock and I spoke with him at one o'clock. I completely changed what we do with our site because of issues you guys have had and a learning experience you guys had, which took you guys multiple weeks to learn through because it was new to you guys. Well, I took your guys' experience and implemented it Almost instantly, because i I understood, okay, well, man, they went through it, got it, but a lot of I, I don't it's hard to understand why people don't see it that way, and they don't listen to people's advice that have experience or have gone through this and have thirty years of doing this kind of work. I, it has to be because they just feel like they you're keeping something from them or you're just not being straightforward with them because you don't want them to be as good as you or you're but that's kind of the industry too, you know you see a lot of competitiveness in local areas or even though, I mean, guys can be 800 miles apart and they're arguing with each other about, you know, this yeah. or that and all this stuff. And it's like, it's kind of crazy, but they will. They'll ask for advice. You'll give it to them and they'll go a complete opposite way. They'll listen to this guy that, you know, sells a, is, is literally selling the product and be like, well, no, he did say this works pretty well. Brian said it's kind of a waste of money, but I think I'll just buy this. <laughs> it's it's yeah. almost mind boggling. You know, but yeah, you see it all the time. It happens constantly.
1: I, I think my biggest learning experience at Hyperclean, and Marty knows this, has been the amount of hours people have taken from me. And then I watch what they do and they don't take the advice that they ask me for. And it makes you real jaded. Like, should <laughs> I even get on this phone call? So, what's actually happening is that every time someone, if I were to do it, if I were to call Brian and ask his advice, and then he watched me do something completely opposite, actually Brian's less likely to give the next guy a piece of advice because it's going to frustrate him. So you're actually killing the goose that laid the golden egg, so to speak, because the guy that has experience gets real jaded as more and more people reach into their time and their pockets and they don't listen to them. And and I don't know why it happens. Uh, I think... We've had some incredible success stories since Marty and I started a podcast. I mean, Marty, you and I have a story where a guy was basically gonna leave the business and now is running a multi million dollar shop based on the advice that 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 we gave on the podcast and some time I spent with him personally. Why would anybody not listen? I don't know. But he was at a point, he goes, I'll do exactly what you say. He did it. He's now got a multi-million dollar business. And that turned around in a year. That turned around in a year. That didn't take five years. He went from, I think I'm leaving the business because I'm not making many money, to I have a multi-million dollar shop. I now have more shop space than ever. I have more cars in here than ever. I got more team members here than ever. And all those things were not possible to him a year before in his brain and his, his mindset.
0: Let me unpack that for a half second. And I wonder if there's some people that are going, hmm, I'm going to buy this guy's spray that he's panhandling online because, you know, it's only 20 bucks, it's only 100 bucks, and then there's this ceiling, right? But you're talking about ultimate success in business and ultimate success in life. I wonder if there's a belief system in in some people that just go, I don't really believe that I can achieve that. So I'm just going to go ahead and buy this panhandler's little spray. And that's going to solve my immediate, just small problem.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think that's what I think they're trying to, you know, I call it reinventing the wheel. I talked to, to both of you about this. You know, Michelin, Goodyear, BF Goodrich, which one of those companies has reinvented the wheel? They're pretty successful, they haven't reinvented anything. They put a little bit more tread on some off-road tires. They got some freeway-based tires. They didn't try to go, hey, we got a new way to put wheel, put a wheel together and check out this new shape. and check out. They didn't reinvent the wheel. They just made little tweaks to it. And so if you talk to a guy like Brian and Brian tells you 10 things to do and you do all 10 things, but you put a tiny little spin on that fits you better, you're going to be successful. But if you, if Brian tells you 10 things and you go, no, I'm going to go in a totally different direction on all 10 things, the likelihood is you're not going to have success. It's not because me or Brian or Marty or any, anybody that's been in business knows everything, but there's a simplicity to business you have to accept. You're going to, you're going to market, then you're going to sell somebody, then you're going to provide the service, right? That's, that's, nobody's going to change that wheel. Now, the only thing you can adjust from there is how, many, how much of those customers are repeat business. That's the fourth leg of it. But everybody wants to reinvent the, well, I use this tool, and I set up these re- hose reels, and I do this, and I do that. And what happens in detailing is everybody gets caught up in the service. They forget about the marketing. They forget about the sales, and they forget about actually providing the service quickly in a timely manner that's reputable. And they're just bogged down. We see it on our own content. The minute you talk about paint correction, your views go up. Because everybody thinks there's some new secret in paint correction. There's nothing in paint correction that's changed since I've been in it. So Marty, since you've been in it, what's different? You put some compound, you put some polish, you put a pad, you use a tool. The wheel hasn't been reinvented, but everybody's convinced it's been reinvented. And this person has this great way. and It's like, dude, correct and paint's been correct in paint since I've held a machine. But you can see that people are grasping at the service and they're not grasping at the business, right? The business is what matters.
2: I think you and I have talked about this, Nick, about the show, the production. I mean, we're back to trying to justify because we don't have confidence what we do. I mean, this whole, you know, guys get to a job site and we'll unpack their whole freaking truck, trailer, whatever on a job site. They'll have totes over here, this over here. I mean, they'll they'll, tents and, you know, they're spending a half hour before they even start doing anything. And we, the biggest conversation is always about money. You always, and how much do I charge? How much do I charge? How much do I charge? But it's such a small conversation about systems and time, about how fast can I do this? What can I do to be faster? What's everybody's time? You never see, hey, what's everybody, how long does it take somebody to do this? You know, it's always like, how much do I charge? But nobody says, hey, what's everybody's time on this van for a washer and vacuum? That would be the first thing I want to know. Where do I, where do I need to be at? What's an average time? And that, you can live anywhere. You can live, you know, on the moon. What's it, 45 minutes? Average is 45 minutes. That would be where I want to be baseline everything on my business of how much time should I be spending on this stuff and where should I be at? And it was something I was going to say earlier about the whole service and, you know, starting small. Most, we have a lot of heat and air companies now being bought up around us. And we have some very large companies that do huge installs, geothermal installs. I'm talking about million dollar, just geothermal in a house, million dollars. When they are being looked at to be bought by a company, all they care about is their small service. You have to have filter changes, regular service, trucks running, and that's it. They don't care if you did X amount of dollars in big installs and this and that. They want that, service industry they want that small 150 fifty dollar job site calls all they care about when buying a company when they're going in to buy a huge multi-million dollar company you better have small service in that company running because that is the money maker that is how you you can grow you can hire people for that you can generally hire people to go wash a car you can generally hire somebody to you know go out and do a wash and vacuum or mini detail it is very hard to grow your business If you think you're going to be doing five-year coatings or, you know, three-step paint corrections and all this stuff, you really need to look at it. Like we said, the whole point is make money and you got to be able to make money and scale to a certain extent. And not only me, a big scale, I'm talking about if you want to hire somebody to help you, trust me, it's hard to hire somebody to help you just to help you polish a car. I mean, you're expecting to sit over that guy's shoulder. Now you're not working. It's, it's all. Well, about... you don't
1: have to take you don't have to take your word for it. Go to Amazon now. Right. You have, you have two buttons: subscribe and save, or one time order. Why do you think they want the subscription? And how many people do they sucker into buying, you know, four of the same thing before that person cancels the subscription? If they the money's in the subscription. Yeah. Right. It's a reoccurring revenue. Netflix, Amazon Prime. I mean, all the, you don't have to take anybody's word for it. it it's, you can see it in your own life just in the things that you purchase. And there's a lot of money and easy, okay? Like you're saying, when companies come in and they want to purchase a heating and air company or they want to purchase a construction company, when they want to purchase those companies, they're going to say, what contracts do you have? Why would they ask about contracts? Because guess what? That's what they know is guaranteed revenue. So if you buy a construction company and they go, oh, the four cities around us, we have the maintenance contract for the four cities around us, that's huge value. Well, we, re- we did, also did 10 bridges. Yeah, cool story, dude. We care about these over here. Right. You got these 10-year contracts to, to, to do maintenance for these cities. That's incredible value. And, again, that doesn't mean don't chase tint and PPF and ceramic coating and all of those things, but, but you got you to gotta really embrace the simple stuff. Right. It doesn't mean you got to do trash vehicles. That doesn't mean you gotta, you know, do the worst vehicles. But look, I'm I'm here to tell you something. The biggest PPF shops in the world, because that's what everybody cares about. They want to be a PPF shop now, they're all doing dealership work. There's guys making million dollar, two, three, four, five million dollars a quarter in PPF. They're putting on trash film at dealerships, B grade film from major manufacturers at dealerships. They have very little retail customer. And you're like, wow, look at all these jobs in their shop. And it's like, yeah, that's all from the two dealerships they're doing business with. And they're, they're making $2 million a, a, a quarter in profit. They're a $40 million company. And they're doing it all through a dealership. And so the way you think things work are oftentimes not the reality when you start in business. I can say that for myself. I didn't know how any of this worked. I just kind of learned.
0: So a lot of people would watch, right, which we've said, it's like they, they see things online, right? We're no longer in that newspaper world where people used to just, right? Now we get it on our phones, we get it on our TV, we get it wherever we want. It's not a once a day shows up in the morning. It It shows up anytime we want it. In that, in that becomes this thing that has gone on for over, I mean, ever since I remember, maybe the 45 years I've been alive, we did it back in the the 90s, we did it even today. And that's this idea internally of fear. Fear of missing out. If this guy tells me that, hey, I can get this, then by God, I better get that because I might be missing out on something. Whoo, right? Like that, the devs actually happened to quite a few of us. So there's this perceived notion about missing out on the big ticket, which we talked about earlier. This ideal notion that you could miss out on something, but not doing the tried and true. Not doing, Nick, like what you just talked about. You actually had said something too, like, hey, instead of going after this idea that you're missing out on something, Uh, we've all said this before. Hey, we worked sun up to sundown, but we know a lot of people in today's world, they work until two o'clock. They might go grab, listen, this has been funny about us, Nick. We've talked to people that were heavy into, they're going to change their world and distribution, but they were taking a beer and eating at two o'clock in the afternoon and got to go pick up kids at here and got to go do this. And there was all these other things that they got to do. Huh? So they didn't put in what really needed to be done. They just had this fear that they were missing out. If I don't get this thing that this guy's telling me, then I'm gonna miss out. If I don't grab this, if I don't get this, then I'm gonna miss out. Huh? Is the cure to fear of missing out what you guys are saying is is what? What? How would you say that we would? Cure that fear of missing out on what we see from panhandlers on social.
1: You need, to, you need to know how it works. Not how you think it works. You need to find out how things work, right? And that takes time. Like I said, man, the Internet's awesome. There's a lot of great information about detailing. The Internet's been a very big reason our industry is the size it is now. I don't think there's any reason to bang on it or hate on it. I don't feel that way at all. But like I just said, when I have guys contact me, they want to be in the PPF business. I'm looking at this shop and what he's doing online. I go, okay, what do you know about that shop? Oh, man, they're doing all this work. Okay, How are they getting the work? Oh, you know, they got all these customers. Wrong. They have one dealership down the street. Did you not know about that? No, I didn't know about that. So wait a minute. You just took a lease on a building. You just decided to get into the PPF business. And in the shop you used, you had no idea how that shop works. I guarantee you if you'd have built a relationship with that shop owner, he'd have told you they don't have, I, I've never met a single shop owner that wouldn't talk to me and just shoot the shit and be like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah, man, it's really cool. You know, now you got to take that time and build that relationship again. Time can't ask him the first day you meet him. Hey, I'm calling you. My name's Billy. You know, what are you doing over there? So you know, you got- I'm done at two today. You're basically saying, Hey, don't quit.
0: Don't go grab beers. Don't go, man, this is what kills me, man. I used to love Tiger Woods golf. Like, I hear that. You know, and sometimes I'd be like, oh, I gotta go spend some time with my buddies playing some Tiger yeah. Woods
1: golf. So don't yeah. do that, and do what? Well, I think Brian has the best piece of advice on this. Honestly, Brian, I mean, you 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 tell it to guys all the time, and I'll I'll, I'll steal it. You're done it too. Why didn't you stop and knock on some doors and try to get another hundred bucks in your pocket before you headed home?
2: Well, I think it's also that thought of like. Man, I see it. And like Nick said, Nick's using PPF as an example, but I see it all the time, whether it's metal polishing or airplanes or even boats or this or that. They want to hop into something else because they see somebody having success at it, which is fine. But if you haven't had great success with where you're at now, why do you think you're going to have great success doing something else?
0: Because they fear missing out.
2: And it is, and, and I, I've been there. I think I think, yeah, I think Nick's been there. Nick started doing tent. I think it took Nick a while to get in the tent, yep. but he felt like he was missing out, and he's seemed like he's made a good call. But I've done, I've, mi- I've thought I missed out on a lot of stuff, and I've got into stuff that was huge mistakes, and it's a learning experience. And I, y- you try to help people. And you tell them, like, look, man, maybe sh- I don't think it's a right fit for you right now. I don't think this, but they don't want to, I mean, majority of the time, they don't want to listen to you because, once again, they think you're just trying to railroad them or something. But, I mean, I, back in the 90s, there was this stuff you put on uh, on tires. You could uh, lay, like, a foil down on the tire and you could highlight the, the track, like, Falcon uh, tires. You yeah, could put, like, a yeah, foil yeah. on it.
1: Man, this it was guy before sold, stickers yeah oh
2: man this guy sold me all you took a heat gun you put this foil on you peel it back and you could see falcon like in any color foil and all this man i got into that and like four weeks into it, i was like this is the stupidest freaking thing i've ever done in my life but yeah. i felt like i was missing out i was like man it's gonna be a big thing i'm gonna miss out on this but it was a learning experience for from me and it kind of taught me a little bit like and I should really see if there's something I'm going to be missing out on. Maybe I should concentrate. If I got time to go do this, maybe I got more time to work on what I'm doing now. You know, if I got time to take on, you know, learning this skill, maybe I could grow this a little bit more. I'm not saying there's not a point where you get to it. I mean, we're looking at PPF, but it's still a thing of like, well, can I grow what I'm doing now more right now? We got an e-commerce. We kind of jumped into that and that's taking up time. You, you really got to think about, can you spend that time on what you're doing now until you get to a point where it's like, okay, I've, I've got this rolling. I think I want to take on something else, but no matter what you do in life, you're always going to feel like you're missing out. I don't care. I don't care what it is. I mean, I, you get guys calling you about solar energy. I mean about, you know, don't miss out on this. It's the big thing. Bitcoin, you know, coins getting ready to do this and it's, it's tough. And I, I know, but you really got to have some personal responsibility and just realize, look, not everybody's out for your best interest, especially when it's a company trying to, you know, sell you something and do your due diligence. Like we talked about before, research the company a little bit, you know, who is using this company, who is having success with this company, who is, you know, doing well and has like, man, this is, I started a year ago and I'm killing it with this, you know, went from here to here. You got to do a little research, but unfortunately a lot of people do just jump right into it. I'm doing this now. Well, okay, cool. Uh, I hope it works out for you.
1: But yeah. And we, you want things to work out. Sure. Like, I mean, we've all, I mean, Brian brought up a great example. I can bring up a hundred examples. I mean, you're going to make mistakes, but if you're not making a lot of money and have some team members on your basics, I don't think it's time for something new. I just don't. I think you got to buckle down, right? It's that simple. Uh, you know, when we got into tent, you know, you got to take time, you know, I'm back in the shop, goofing off, figuring out our, our process. I'm failing. I'm burning through film. Same with PPF. Then you got to find people. Then you got to find reliable people. Then you got to find customers. The age old thing, man, it's not build it and they will come. Are you going to go, you you admired this shop over here. Are you going to go call and and develop those relationships with dealerships like, like that person did for 10 years? You're gonna do it, man. It's a great thing to do. Go do what that guy did. Don't reinvent the wheel, but understand his story. I share this story at a guy out of Houston who's got you know three or four shops now. He said directly to me, he goes, "But people don't know about the ten years I slept in my shop." That's the story. See, when you dig in, that's the story. This guy slept in his shop for ten years. You're trying to have two new vehicles every year. You're trying to have the family. You're trying to buy a new house. This guy lived in his shop for 10 years. See, you and I, the three of us on here, I think, say something a lot to one another. There's so many cool stories in this industry that largely people never hear, right? Because the people don't tell them publicly. Hey, I started my detail shop and I was right next to a car wash. You never see that story told by that person. It's always some. You know, it's it's always some bullshit that he wants to feed the world. And it's like, dude, he has such a great story.
0: Because how valuable is that to go, hey, so many people going anti-car wash. Some people have this unique circumstance and it should be boasted about of, (laughs) hey, I'm right next to a place where people wash their cars. So naturally they want to come over and talk to me. But they don't want to give cool. that secret sauce away. Well, there, every Nick. everybody on this panel,
2: everybody here, if they had opportunity to buy a car wash or build a car wash, would. Marty I mean, did. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah. There, there's no way you would pass that up if you had opportunity. I mean, I drive by some of these car washes I see now. I'm like, man, that's cool looking. Like, it's yeah. just beautiful. I mean, like, I, I, and everybody's bashing stuff. It's such a great opportunity. And people, I, I don't understand the, you know, how we got to that point. And then someone's so ashamed Scared to say that there's a car wash by them, like it's a bad thing, that they they don't even share the story of that. That's how they get to the, get business. It's how you do. I mean, I would be telling everybody, hey, if you got a car wash in your area, if you can find a building for rent near it within half mile, is it because it's not whistle. as
0: flashy. We go uh, back to the panhandler. Well, like yeah,
1: yeah. Well, remember these people get involved with a certain company with certain individuals that have bashed the car wash industry as they've sold to the car wash industry behind everybody's back. <laughs> All right. Right. I'm telling you guys, this is why Brian says, do your research. It's not because it's bullshit, because if you knew some of these things, then when you saw it on social media, you're not looking at them angry. You're not going, how dare they? You're just informed. Like, okay, this story adds up a little bit more. See the internet doesn't have to be this place and people can go look at my profile. I don't comment on anything that I don't own. You want to know why? I know a lot of things about a lot of groups that I'm a member of. A lot of individuals that have done dirty things. I'm not going to go rain on their parade, man. I'm going to stay in my lane and do the things I have control of. Not because I don't know what's going on. I do know what's going on. We have some website guys that we're all familiar with. And we know the dirty stuff that was said to people, especially early on. You think I go in that group and go, oh, can't believe this. Why would anybody use this person? I'm not doing that. But I'm not. I got the knowledge to benefit me and the people around me and go, Hey man, if you're going to use this person, if you're going to use this company, there's some things you need to know. None of it's bashing somebody. And what people want to get quote unquote dirt on people for is they want to use it to, to bash them. The, the best thing you can do is just be informed. How's this guy doing it over here? Let me find out, man, this guy's got a really cool way of doing it. The, the guy, the people we're talking about the, that are at a car wash. None of us are friends with those people, but we're like, damn, I just wish he'd tell a story. What a cool idea. What a damn cool idea. But because he wants to be in the cool kids club, because he wants to hang out with a certain individual, he doesn't tell that story. But I know the story about him. Brian knows the story about him and hundreds and thousands of other people who know how it works, know the story. And every one of them says the same thing. I wish that that story would get out there because that was a really cool idea in business. So you personal responsibility is you have to dig in on that stuff, not finding dirt, but to say, how'd that person do that? You know, how'd that per, Oh, and then when you find out not hating on it, but going, "Ah, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool idea. Like I'm not, I'm not hating on it. I'm going, man, that's, that's a really cool idea, man. doesn't, I don't even have to like the person. I go, Hey, did a really cool thing there. Agreed.
0: Like, so Brian, what do you think? The best episode we've done yet. You're not gonna go hate on our beers or choices of what your beverage is. I mean, come on.
2: No, you, guys uh, you, did, have, you me. did have a
1: peach schnapps over there. What'd you have there? <laughs> You tried to kill me with
2: that uh, voodoo, whatever uh, that one
0: I mean, I tried to join your lane and drink this foo foo stuff like you and Nick drink, but Boone you know. Farm.
2: I, I saw your face yeah. on the one. You looked like you were a little. Uh, you looked like you were a little off on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. Won't be getting simply spiked peach again. Ain't happening. Well, anymore.
1: we we have a problem though. The beer I got at HQ. Not a good look for Marty. So not a oh good boy. look. <laughs> not a good look. What's
2: he, what's he got on? Some Z, did, he, did he save some Zimas from the nineties? He got hey, If, if he had
1: Zimas, it would have been way better. <laughs> it would have been way that better.
0: That watermelon Jolly Rancher. You bet. You bet. <laughs>
1: that all right, was guys, great talk. Syrup. Great episode.
0: Uh, we'll see y'all next time. Thanks for everybody right, listening.